Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of Samuels vs. Schlanger. I'm Leighton Samuels, I'm Leighton Schlanger, and oh boy, let us do it. Let us kick it off with my favorite segment, Samuels is Wrong. Come on, we couldn't wait even until like, you know, we did a little intro with a little banter. Nope, nope, this is our intro banter. This is me taking back this segment because you have not let me do it for like an entire week. Okay, fine. Do do your Samuels is wrong. Samuels is wrong. Let me start this off by saying how right I was. Because our flex plays on that we gave you on Friday were Marquise Brown, Devontae Parker, James White, Justin Jefferson, and Marquez Valdez Scantling, who was, you guessed it, Samuels pick. Those first few guys that I said, those first, let's say, one, two, three, four, five guys, got you over 10 PPR points, every single one of them. And the crazy thing is, not a single one of them got you a touchdown. And all that says for me is that we were even more right because we didn't rely on touchdown value. We were talking about usage and opportunity and those guys took it got you over 10 points which is really all you can hope for from that flex spot Devontae Parker got 10 balls for 110 yards like PPR monster right there in an otherwise rough and tumbling Miami Dolphins offense against a Seattle Seahawks defense that hasn't been able to stop anyone but just to get back to Samuels is wrong, the one guy who did not get you 10 PPR points is, guess who? His guy, Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Okay, so let me let me at least defend this pick because, I mean, Aaron Rodgers threw the ball 33 times. There were no other wide receivers that were going to do anything. I mean... Wide receivers that caught the ball were Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Darius Shepard, Malik Taylor. Marquez Valdez-Scantling got eight targets. Like, he played, like, he he was targeted. He, he, all of the research and everything was there. Yeah, but did he, did he get you uh, 10 PPR points from the flex spot? No, no, he did not. Samuels is wrong. That and much more to get to as we recap the weekend's uh, games on this episode of Samuels vs. Schlanger. You you really are turning into quite the host. Like, I, I barely said anything in this intro. And you're over here just like rumbling, tumbling, rumbling, tumbling. Oh, are you Chris Berman? <laughs> I'm, no, he's, he's like rumbling, bumbling and other stuff. A fine point. You truly are a wordsmith. So we are going to get to real football. Uh, this episode of Samuel of Samuel's is wrong is brought to you by me, Schlanger. And uh, was there was there anything else that you wanted for the intro before we uh, we get into helping these fine listeners with some fantasy football analysis? I. No, no, I was really banking on MVS. Um, we're also going to get into injuries. You forgot about that. See, so you will not be taking over host duties from me. Fine. I don't want them anyway. That is your job. You take it. Okay. All right. Then as the host, I will be the one to say, hit that drop. This is the drop. This is the drop. This is the drop. Samuels versus Schlanger. Oh, this is going to be brutal. 
Cool, 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 cool. All right, let's uh, let's go ahead and actually kick this off with some not so cool, 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 cool new news. Um, I can't, I can't even say words. You should just take over this whole podcast. I don't want to. I really, really don't. I am only here because you make me come here every single uh, Tuesday and Friday. Uh, every single Tuesday and Friday, you can find us right here. You're even doing the our freaking ad. You're doing our PR. You're doing literally everything. Why don't you just host? Because that's your job, and I am camera shy. There's no camera. I'm uh, microphone shy. That's not a... Is that a thing? I mean... I guess stage fright's a thing, and that includes microphones. You're way off track. Can you just get back to injuries? See, you're a much better host than I am. Injuries. Two stud running backs go down with extensive injuries. Um, Not season-ending for either of these guys, we think and we hope. But Austin Eckler and Nick Chubb both out for... Nick Chubb's already been placed on IR, so he's gone for at least three weeks, probably more, probably closer to six. Austin Eckler hasn't been put on IR yet, but with a grade two hamstring strain, we are expecting at least IR length, so definitely more than three weeks. I mean, look, looking at the Los Angeles Chargers, at least you're confident in how Joshua Kelly played in the first couple weeks. But, yeah, haven't been confident since. And, I mean, if we're looking at just this past game, Tampa Bay has actually sneakily one of the top-running defenses, rush defenses in the game. So, Josh Kelly, nine carries for seven yards, not promising there. But he did have three targets, caught all three of them for 26 yards. And he's going to be the lead guy going forward. Justin Jackson might steal a couple of rushes, and he might steal... A couple of, uh, of of passes, but uh, a couple of targets. There we go. That's what I was looking for. Um, but I still think it's Joshua Kelly's backfield, and Justin Jackson is spelling him in a, in the same way that it was Austin Eckler's backfield with Joshua Kelly doing specific things before. So at least you have, and Austin Eckler owners, I really hope that you had uh, Joshua Kelly on your team. I have been a huge, going back to um, to that tier list, uh, Joshua Kelly was a tier two um, handcuff, uh, as in someone who, if you had Austin Eckler, I felt it was really important you have him on your team in the event of an injury to Austin Eckler, because Joshua Kelly does get sprung up to the top of that depth chart. Again, God, the LA Chargers have been playing so much better than one and three, which is crazy. So I think they're playing with a lead more off, more often. I mean, Justin Herbert has been, he, he was 20 of 25 for 290 yards. He, he averaged 11.6 yards per attempt. Like that's and three touchdowns, one interception. Like the, he is, he's really killing it. He might be the best rookie quarterback playing right now. So that gives you confidence in Joshua Kelly moving forward. Moving on to Nick Chubb, you should take this one. I've been talking too much. I mean, I wasn't going to say anything, bro, but like you just like you just went off. You just went off. Clearly you have a lot of feelings about Austin Eckler. Well, <laughs> I am I have him in literally 2 thirds of my leagues. So it was that one that one hurt a lot. But you know who we don't have in any of our leagues? That's right, baby. Nick Chubb. The extremely unfortunate, like, dude is talented. And no matter how much, 
Samuel, well, first of all, Samuels is wrong because Samuels was telling you to sell on Nick Chubb and he would not, like, I mean, I guess he was right. I was right. I was right because he ended up getting injured. So if you sold him, you would have actually gotten better value. But okay, but you can't count injuries in that. You were wrong that he would disappear uh, in this offense because the Browns would be playing from behind because guess what? Since the first game of the season, They've won three in a row, and their offense has been clicking. I mean, people keep giving Baker Mayfield crap, and I mean, I guess rightfully so. Like, we were just talking about Justin Herbert uh, having over 11 yards per attempt. Baker Mayfield, in a game in which they beat the Dallas Cowboys 49-38, to Baker Mayfield only averages 5.5 yards per attempt. Now, the good news for that is is the beneficiary of Nick Chubb's injury is Kareem Hunt, who catches the ball usually right around the line of scrimmage and does a lot with it. Well, not just that. He does line up outside. He does get a lot of work done as a receiver lined up wide or or in the slot. That is true, but I was was trying to make a thing about the 5.5 yards per attempt. You're just, you're, you're off your game today, Samuels. I'm I'm calling it right now. This is my podcast today. <laughs> Fine, take it, take it, it's yours. Okay, great, wonderful. Now, if you are a Kareem Hunt owner, I never, no one should ever celebrate injuries. But if you own Kareem Hunt, you are looking forward to the next at least six weeks of Cleveland Browns football with Kareem Hunt being the lead back. Now, I am going to interrupt. Why? You, okay, you tell me the takeover and then you just interrupt me? Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I will. And I'm, God, I really am playing your role this time. Dernest Johnson had out-carried Kareem Hunt in this game, in a game in which they were leading. And Dernest Johnson got 95 carries on 13 yards. Like, this, this kid looked like a stud. Well, yeah, everybody's looking like a stud against the Dallas Cowboys defensive line. They haven't been able to stop the run at all. They gave up 307 yards rushing. Yeah, and only 71 of those yards rushing were Kareem Hunt. That is the really interesting thing to me about the Cleveland Browns. They will they they refuse to have a workhorse back. They really want uh, a, a, a running back by committee. And, I, and I, I think that's for their offensive game plan. I think that's what uh, Kevin Stefanski wants. And, I mean, it's working for them now, so I don't see why Dernis Johnson would go away and Kareem Hunt would get, you know, 25, 30 touches a game. Well, but the one thing is Dernis Johnson caught exactly zero passes. <laughs> well... I'm sorry to be the one to have to tell you this because you didn't look at the stat sheet, apparently. Kareem Hunt caught exactly zero passes on Sunday. What? Kareem Hunt is their pass catching back. How did he not catch any passes? I don't know. I don't know. Odell, Odell, I mean, they only threw the ball uh, 20 times. And uh, Odell Beckham Jr. got eight of those targets. So there wasn't really much room for anything else. And they had a lead. Uh, by the second quarter, God, they really took over in the second quarter. So, you know, better times for Kareem Hunt moving forward with Nick Chubb out, but expect Dernis Johnson to stick around and continue to steal carries, maybe even those those 
widely sought after goal line carries. You just have to ruin absolutely everything that I want in life. I just want Kareem Hunt to be a thing. And you know what? I, I, Kareem Hunt will be a thing. I'm not saying he won't. We're moving on. Outside of the world of injuries, if you tuned in to the Contributors Podcast on We Know Fantasy, uh, you can find them at We Know Fantasy on Twitter, uh, last Thursday, I was on and we were asked our, our patience or panic players, and my panic players were the entire Baltimore Ravens backfield, that being Gus Edwards, Mark Ingram, J.K. Dobbins, Dobbins, and oh boy, God, can you... Can you start any of these guys in fantasy? Honestly, no. You're like, you really can't. I mean, once again, in in pure how the rest of the season has been going fashion, Mark Ingram got the touchdown. Gus Edwards led the three in, uh, in, 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 in carries and in yards. And the J.K. Dobbins felt like he was underutilized and ultimately didn't do much. But he caught a pass for one yard, and he had the most targets out of all of them. So, like, what do you do? They won 31 to 17, and and they're just, they ran the ball 32 times, but Lamar Jackson had seven of those and was clearly the best rusher. Like, you just, you can't trust the Baltimore Ravens backfield until they show you otherwise. I think you can drop pretty much, I think you can drop Oh, God. I, I, you know, every time I, I go to say you should drop Gus Edwards, but no, he's leading the team in yards. You should drop Mark Ingram. Well, but he's scoring the touchdowns. You should drop J.K. Dobbins. No, he has the most potential. This is the most frustrating. I don't know why a, came, a highlight just came on. This is the most frustrating backfield ever that I can think of since, I don't know. I mean, because, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, let's let's just go across the aisle. Like like Washington's backfield has been frustrating um, because you know you don't know if it's Peyton Barber, you don't know if it's Antonio Gibson. J D McKissick keeps catching passes, and he gets he J D McKissick is one of was I think the most or second most targeted running back um, in football this past week. So like you have a frustrating backfield there, but like. Antonio Gibson might just be a stud, and if they're playing from behind a lot, J.D. McKissick might be a half-decent flex play in PPR. Like, he had seven receptions for 40 yards, uh, and plus he carried the ball twice. Like, I mean, I feel more confident, and this, I think, is just, just says where we're at with the Baltimore Ravens uh, backfield. I am more confident in the Washington football team's weird cobbled together running back committee than I am with any of the Baltimore Ravens uh, running backs. I would totally agree with that. I, speaking of that, who that? Uh, The Saints. (laughs) That was the most, like, it was a good try, but it was just such an awkward transition. Who that, baby? We're going to talk about the Saints now. Alvin Kamara continues to be a stud. Like, surprise, no one's surprised. Um, What we didn't expect to see was Latavius Murray get two touchdowns running 14 times for 64 yards. And I think 
This is in part a byproduct of the fact that Michael Thomas isn't there and we saw Alvin Kamara do a lot last week. And the Saints might be wanting to spell Alvin Kamara more. Latavius Murray had 14 carries to Alvin Kamara's 19. Obviously, Kamara is the lead back. There is no question there. But Kamara also only had four targets, and Latavius Murray had two targets. Latavius Murray scored over 20 fantasy points this week. And Alvin Kamara didn't do bad, but Latavius Murray did better. And I don't think this is the way moving forward, but I think the big thing here is while we were worried about Latavius Murray having standalone value this year and only having value as Alvin Kamara's handcuff, I think we have found now that Latavius Murray, in the right matchups, can be a solid flex play. Do you like any of these... Uh, backup wide receivers, I say backup wide receivers because every single one of these wide receivers is a backup to Michael Thomas, like, it's, and it's just the, it's just the truth of it, like, Emmanuel Sanders is technically a starting wide receiver, but he's not, once Michael Thomas comes back, there is Michael Thomas and then all of his backups, and Emmanuel, Emmanuel Sanders led the team in targets, and it wasn't even close, he had over twice the targets of the next Closest players who were Traquan Smith and Alvin Kamara with four. Emmanuel Sanders had nine targets, six receptions, 93 yards. That is a solid day. But again, the touchdowns went elsewhere. You had Traquan Smith catching two of his four targets for touchdowns. He caught all four of his targets for 54 yards, but two touchdowns with Traquan Smith. Like, he was one of those guys that I threw into a, a, a DFS lineup, like, as, as just a flyer and hey, it paid off. Um, yay, big money. Are we rich yet? <laughs> Do we, can we get actual sponsors? Can it be your your DFS winnings? I am not winning that much in DFS. Um, but I am winning some, so you should listen to our advice. Um, but no, I'm not crazy about any of these pass catchers. Uh, I know Michael Thomas is getting closer to coming back. And we are very excited about that. Uh, moving to the other side of the ball in this game... Uh, we're starting to get confused again with this backfield. Like, is DeAndre Swift back? Is he is he the guy that you want? I know he's he's started being dropped in some leagues. Yeah, I mean, Adrian Peterson clearly has the uh, the lead back job down. Uh, he had 11 carries for 36 yards. That is half the carries on the team. Uh, DeAndre Swift only had four carries, but he looked better. He got 22 yards. With a long of only seven, which means he was gaining on every single play. He also caught four balls for 30 yards, and one of those was a touchdown. And that was a it was a a really nice like little route that he ran from the backfield. Like the kid looks good. And I know we had that drop in in week one that everyone will remember. But I like DeAndre Swift a lot more moving forward in this uh, in this backfield. Are, are you? But do you do you trust him weekly fantasy wise yet? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. He has to he has to do more. But with the Lions playing from behind, clearly uh, they don't like passing the ball to Adrian Peterson as much. He <laughs> they threw to him twice and he caught neither of them, and that's kind of Adrian Peterson's way. So. Um, so yeah, Kenny Galladay is a boss. You should have him on all your teams. That's that's the Detroit Lions receiving core. 
Um, and that's really all we have to say about that game. And and we have more to say about football after this live read. Do you hate your favorite players on your favorite football team? Do you wish that they would thrive on a different team than the one you grew up loving? You should try Phil Orion. Phil Orion will help you manage your football team straight to the top of the second worst division in the NFL. Sorry, NFC East. That title will always be yours. He comes with lots of features like poor clock management, running the ball on third and eight in the fourth quarter while playing from behind, and wishing he was Phil Felichick. The best part is, if you use the promo code SVS, you can get 20% off your first season with Phil Orion. That's right, 20% off on losing all of your first and second round picks to trades for mediocre or washed up players. Phil Orion, my chin looks like a sarlacc pit. Are you just going to interrupt me in, in, uh, in live reads now to give snarky comments at the NFC East? Well, it's true. I mean, it's literally in the live read that... That it's the second worst, well, that there is a second worst division, and I assume we're talking about the AFC South. I don't I don't know what you're assuming. It's just this guy, Phil O'Ryan, who who's clearly looking for a job, so he sent us a live read. I don't know. I don't know what they're referring to in any of this. No, definitely not. The Texans fan sitting next to me has no idea what he just read. Moving on to the Texans, we actually have some football to talk about, some fantasy-relevant football to talk about. Now, fantasy relevant is a loose term here. No, okay, Deshaun Watson was definitely fantasy relevant. He put up 20.9 fantasy points, throwing for 300 yards, two touchdowns, and running for nine whole yards. Yeah, you know it was a bad Deshaun Watson game whenever he only runs for nine yards. But it wasn't a bad Deshaun Watson game. He threw for 300 yards and two touchdowns. Like, he... He played classic quarterback, and how did that do for him? The Texans put up 23 points and get demolished by the 0-3 Minnesota Vikings, and and the Vikings come out 1-3, and and Houston... And Houston loses their head coach and GM. That's that's just what happened. Um, you're absolutely right. Will Fuller put on quite a show. Um, six receptions, 108 yards, one touchdown. That's fantasy relevant right there. That's 22.8 fantasy points. Um, anyone else? Anyone else? That was my time. I was supposed to ask you anyone else on this Texans team you care about. And I was supposed to reluctantly tell you no, no, David Johnson's going to struggle until the Texans can hold the lead, and I don't even know if that's possible. Um, and the pass catcher with the second most targets was Randall Cobb. Brandon Cooks had three targets but caught none of them. Uh, the tight end situation is weird because Jordan Akins is really good at what he does but is never targeted enough to be relevant. You got Deshaun Watson, you got Will Fuller for as long as Will Fuller is healthy, and then who knows? Who knows? These Texans are a disappointment for everyone who may or may not have feelings towards this team. You are trying very hard to be an unbiased radio host, and I appreciate that, but you are, stop cry, you're crying in the corner now. You literally, get out of the corner, come over here, and help us with it. Stop crying. It's fine. The Texans will be, you know, we'll... Finish the season 12 and 4. We're not going to finish the season 12 and 4. It's just not going to happen. Well, I'm going to move on to the Minnesota Vikings while you have a breakdown about your favorite team. 
So Kirk Cousins still refuses to be fantasy relevant, but Dalvin Cook and Kirk Cousins' pass catchers are all spectacular. I mean, Dalvin Cook has a monster game rushing 27 times for 130 yards and two touchdowns. He also catches two passes. Justin Jefferson maintains, and this was one of our flex plays, five targets, four receptions, 103 yards. This guy gets these downfield passes, and you know, for all the crap Kirk Cousins gets, he can throw the long ball. And Adam Thielen was the security blanket, as always. 10 targets, 8 receptions, 114 yards, and a touchdown. A fantasy stud performance that all of the Adam Thielen owners were looking forward to. I think this is more like what the Minnesota Vikings can potentially look like. I think it's a little more balanced, actually. I think in a typical game without a terrible Houston Texans defense. <laughs> Sorry about that. No, no, it's, it is what it is. Without... <laughs> He's lit he's almost literally crying. Um, without the terrible Houston Texans defense, I think the Minnesota uh, Vikings have a little bit less success with the run game and a little more success. Or like this is what we should expect from Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson um, to a certain extent. Moving on before Leighton drowns me in his freaking salt tears. We have to talk about one of these Monday night games, and considering the Kansas City-New England game was kind of a mess for fantasy owners, let's just go ahead and skip that one. We only have so much time. We're going to jump to the Atlanta Falcons versus the Green Bay Packers, and, you know, this was supposed to be the shootout of the, uh, of the week. This was supposed to be it. Instead, only 46 total points are scored. That is mostly thanks to the Atlanta Falcons sucking. Like, just, I didn't want to use that word. But they, they sucked. They were not good. Um, like, I guess no one was individually bad. Like, Matt Ryan played half decently with a quarterback rating of 92.4. Todd Gurley um, looked good. Like, Todd Gurley looked like Todd Gurley whenever he was really moving, uh, when they were really moving the ball with the run. He looked good on the goal line, getting in for two touchdowns, but like, they just could not put drives, they could not finish drives, and while that doesn't always matter for us in fantasy football, it meant that they only scored two touchdowns, which means that there were fewer touchdowns to go around, and oh my gosh, the number one wide receiver in fantasy football puts up a goose egg. Not only does he put up a goose egg, he puts up a goose egg on five targets. Like, five targets isn't great. Like, like Aaron Jones had five targets for the Green Bay Packers. Like, and he had five receptions for 40 yards and a touchdown on that. Like, if that were Calvin Ridley, if you're looking at that and you end the night with, uh, what is that, 15 fantasy points from receiving, you're like, okay, like... It's not the number one wide receiver in fantasy production that we've been looking for, but it's five targets, and he did well with them. Calvin Ridley did not catch a single target. And I know that the refs in this game were being really hesitant to throw flags, uh, at least towards the beginning of the game in the first half. Like, there was a lot of contact. Um, some of these penalties could have been called, but it doesn't matter, ultimately. Because the penalties aren't going to get you fantasy points. Calvin Ridley was not Calvin Ridley. And maybe it's that injury that caught up to him. But also, 
Jair Alexander was all over him last night and and it just did his job and Jair Alexander shut him down and that is I think more of a testament to the Green Bay Packers defense I would not be worried about Calvin Ridley going forward but speaking of injuries um and Calvin Ridley dealing with his own Julio Jones leaves this game towards the end with an injury and Julio Jones clearly wasn't himself and you saw him kind of limping towards the end of the first half uh, he gets four targets, four receptions, 32 yards. Just, he's he might be the toughest guy in football. He plays through injuries constantly. But he just, he did not look good. I mean, what is promising is you saw Hayden Hurst get six targets, four receptions, four 51 yards. So, like, he's starting to get going for all of you who invested in him. But, like... Again, like the Falcons offense will be better than this. I think this was a Green Bay Packers defensive just great game. Just a great game for them. Aaron Rodgers, God, he is he's playing like I can't well, I can't say he's playing like the best quarterback in fantasy because Russell Wilson is a thing. Although he played better than Russell Wilson this week. So there you go. Aaron Rodgers, three hundred and twenty seven yards, four touchdowns, even rushes for five yards. Look at that guy go. He he like almost got injured. His left knee might be something to uh, to be looking at and paying attention to as the week goes on. But he obviously finished the game. Um, he uh, he kind of he kind of hyperextended it. So as long as we keep track of it, I wouldn't be worried about it though. Aaron Jones, absolute stud running back. Jamal Williams puts in his own production, catching predominantly as a pass catcher catching eight passes for 95 yards I mean clearly with Devontae Adams gone the Green Bay Packers were going to focus on throwing to their running backs uh because as we said Aaron Jones also got five targets and throwing to their tight ends Robert Tonian six receptions three of them went for touchdowns do, do you think that this is, like, this is who he is now? Do you think that Robert Tonian is, like, the new George Kittle? I, 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 like, saw on the broadcast that they're, like, best friends, and I think that's it's the funniest thing in the world. But um, for our purposes, is Robert Tonian going to be the next George Kittle? I, I don't think so. I think he is a great bi-week fill-in. Um, I think a lot of these end zone targets go to Devontae Adams once Devontae Adams comes back. And I think Marquez Valdez-Scantling does a lot better when he's not the number one wide receiver and they can use him more as a deep threat, which is what he is at heart. Um, but Robert Tonian, God, I mean, they're on a bye next week, but... You can use him. I think he's a he'll be a great bye week fill in at least. I don't know if he's going to be a top ten tight end uh, the rest of the way uh, once Devonte Adams is back. But boy, he he just continues to score touchdowns. And as always, we run out of time. Uh, <laughs> it's the problem with doing a half hour podcast is there is never a way to get through the entire slate of games. I mean, just real quick, Josh Allen did great again while Josh Jacobs did rough, had another rough game. Um, the LA Rams kind of struggled against a New York Giants defense, question mark, and who is the lead back in LA? Because Malcolm Brown had more touches than Daryl Henderson, and uh, Cam Akers is also coming back next week, it looks like. So 
that's a rough situation there. The New York Giants offense just just leave them out of out of your fantasy lineups. Um, but that's it. Those are those are my quick hits. This is really all we have. Unfortunately, I know I know you wish that we would do an hour long podcast. Hey, if enough people ask us to be on for an hour and Phil Orion comes through with his check paycheck for sponsoring this episode, Phil Orion ain't gonna pay us anything. I know, I know, but boy, should he? Um, anyway, <laughs> we're done. Thank you so much for listening. We will see you on Friday. Thank you and goodbye.